Welcome to Rich Black Woman, your destination to enlighten your life from the inside out, where we empower you to be rich in mind, body, and bank. Now, here's your host, Yaz. Welcome to the Rich Black Woman podcast, where we empower women to be rich in mind, body, and bank. I'm your host, Yaz, creator and founder of Rich Black Woman, and I'm excited to bring you inspiring guests from around the world who will enrich your life from the inside out. Every week, we talk with change makers who will nourish your soul, your intellect, and enrich your bottom line. Ladies, it's time to bring the bank. And our guest for today's show is Janelle B. Stewart. She's an award-winning editor and digital course creator who launched her career by way of her wildly popular natural hair YouTube channel. Janelle has used the power of her many platforms, which also includes a podcast and social media to empower women and specifically women of color to become successful entrepreneurs by providing them with knowledge and resources to grow their business via social media. Janelle is also a wife and a mom of two lovely, beautiful children. Janelle B. Stewart, welcome to the Rich Black Woman Podcast. I'm excited to have you. Hey, hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And a hello to everyone listening. Awesome. Well, um, wanted to really kind of get to know what your inspiration and vision has been. I know that you have um, become kind of a digital content creator and master and developed an entire kind of platform to help women and a lot of the women who listen to the Rich Black Woman podcast are uh, entrepreneurs, are business savvy, and really want to understand like what they need to be doing to really master this new digital world that we're in. And so I wanted to bring you on and have you share some of your best practices, things that you've learned from the past, but maybe we can first start off, Janelle, by telling us, how did you even get into this space? Because you have a really interesting, unique story and how you got here. Yeah, I actually love sharing my story because I feel like it is so relatable in that my story could be anyone's story because I didn't have any special, you know, thing happened to me that anyone couldn't have done. So back in 2010, I decided to cut my natural hair off and I did what we call the big chop. And after I did my big chop, I was just feeling stifled because I didn't have anyone that I could talk to. My husband didn't really care about my natural hair journey. I would tell him that um, (laughs) I found out what shea butter could do for my hair or honey. And he was just like, okay, babe, that's awesome, but (laughs) I don't care. And my family, no one at the time was natural. So I found myself feeling stifled. That's why I I decided to create a blog that would focus just on natural hair. And I also made a complimentary YouTube channel. And my blog is called kinkycurlycoilyme.com. It's named after the various textures that Black women use, the names that we use to call our textures of our natural hair. Right. And then my YouTube channel was basically my audience wanted me to not only show in photos like what I was doing with my natural hair as I was learning and growing um with within my own natural hair journey. So I started a YouTube channel so I could actually show like what am I doing when I'm co-washing? What am I doing when I'm doing a twist out? How am I achieving these looks? How am I um taking care of my hair to get it to grow? And so my YouTube channel is called Black is Beautiful. Ooh, and love it. 
Yeah. And my YouTube channel like grew over the years. You know, it's been a very long time coming. My blog grew over the years. And as women of color, we have lots of different things that we're interested in. So of course, even though I was spending so much time talking about natural hair and beauty, as my audience grew with me, we became parents. Um, Many of us like graduated from school and we were taking on different endeavors. Uh, A lot of people were also trying to get healthy and well as we're spending so much time learning learning how to keep our hair healthy, a natural transition was like, well, if I'm spending all this time trying to put natural ingredients on my hair, why am I not putting natural ingredients in my body? So it was a natural transition for me to create a lifestyle brand, which I self-named Janelle B. Stewart, where I could talk about other topics about parenting, about marriage, about home ownership, about my wellness journey as I lost way after postpartum, during postpartum, I could talk about the fact that I was 270 pounds at one time and people were like, oh my God, like 270, you're like knocking on 300 pounds. And Mm -hmm. I need to see how you're going to lose this weight because I've been holding on to baby weight and my baby's five and I want to figure out like how to get the weight off. And you know, you're buying your first home, home. Oh my God. And you're a blogger. Like I want to learn how it is you're doing it. I would love to buy my first home. And so as people wanted to know more about how are you making this whole digital thing a full-time career? Because after doing it for two years, I was able to like quit my job as a teacher. I went to school. Yeah, for education. I got my master's and I was teaching public school. I was working a regular job and I was like, okay, that's done. People wanted to know, how'd you do that? So my audience has been the driving force in like almost every decision that I've made because of their desire of wanting to know how. Like their natural inquisition and I guess trusting me and respecting me to feel like I can answer these kind of questions for them and not stray them, um, take them on the right, wrong path has led me to kind of get to everywhere I am now. And now as a course creator, I'm taking my educational background And I'm tying that into the fact that I have a community that wants to also be entrepreneurs and wants to learn about that. And now I'm able to teach them outside of just like talking to them in a social post. I'm actually able to create courses that they can take and learn how to do it. I love that. And the fact that you talked about how your nine to five, like the the training that you have, what you prepare for in education actually now is a fueling part of your own entrepreneurial, you know, empire and how sometimes our nine to five does prepare us for then us to take the next step and the next leap. How did you know? And was there kind of a nexus point where you said, oh, this is something I need to dedicate 100% of my time to this? Like, oh, when yes. Did you know? So I think for a lot of people, and I learned this from my students of the Digital Content Creation School, that you have to get to the point where you're willing to work until it works. And if you don't ever get to that point where you're willing to work until it works, then you find that it just doesn't work. And you will often make excuses and think this is just not for me. So what happened for me was I was at a place where my husband and I were living in Brooklyn 
We were newly married. We just had our first child and I was so depressed when I would have to get up in the morning and hop on the subway to head into Manhattan to go to work and I had to leave my baby with my mother-in-law. And I know for a lot of parents, we of course want to be able to raise our children beyond just the first three months that we're given here in America. We would love to have a year, two years, three years, or just be at home for the rest of our children's lives until we get to the point where we want to go out and do something. I know that's a thing for a lot of moms. And so when I kept feeling that way in the morning, I would nurse him. And Yasmin, if my son woke up in the morning, I was going to be late for work because I would just kiss him. I needed to squish those chunky cheeks and I needed to squish those chunky thighs. And I was just so enamored. Like all moms, I just had this beautiful baby and I really wanted to be home with him. And I would nurse and then go to work. My breasts would be full with milk. I'd get engorged. I'd be so uncomfortable. You think, okay, I'm going to travel with the pump and I'd go somewhere and pump out the milk. And you think that that would really work. But when you're in a nine to five environment, that is not really convenient. Even if you're thinking about it, the schedule of the day isn't thinking about it. Business meetings aren't thinking about it. Important emails aren't thinking about it. Phone calls, whatever your work work regimen is, it's not thinking about, oh, you need to go wait 25 minutes to go express breast milk. And then of course, when you do try to do that, unfortunately, because you're not in the right headspace and also you don't have that skin to skin with your baby, you don't really express your milk the way you kind of, the way you do during the day when you're on demand. So, you know, things like that were overwhelming me. And I really figured to my, I thought to myself, how could I stay home? Like, I can't afford to not work. We, I didn't have that luxury. My husband is not a rich mogul out there. You know, we can't do this. And this is something that a lot of women go through. Like, I can't just stay at home. I have to do something, but yeah. I don't know what I can do. Well, what I did was I looked at my platform At the time, this was back in 2011, people weren't exactly making a lot of money online in a way that was easy and convenient. So I said, well, I have a blog and I know that people do sell ad space. I'm not exactly sure how that works. I have a YouTube channel. And even though I've not been invited to the YouTube program to be making money and monetize my videos, I know that people do get sponsorships. So I knew these things existed. And then I started going to work. You know, anyone who's going to college knows research, 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 research. That is important. And so I had already had that ingrained in me because I'd been doing this for years. So I was researching my butt off. How could I sell ad space? How can I get sponsorships? How can I do um, the things that other people are doing with their digital platforms? I started creating content that I knew my community wanted by listening to them and also by researching what they wanted to to learn. And so Black women were like, listen, we want to go natural and we kind of don't know how to do it. We kind of don't know where to go. I don't know what products to use. So every day they're online searching for it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make the content that they want. Also, Making content isn't going to just get me paid, but it will help me grow an audience. And if I grew an audience that was interested in what I shared, I knew I could possibly leverage that 
it in order to work with the brand. Because if a brand wanted to sponsor someone else's channel to talk about this thing in hopes that that person would have an audience that would be interested in, what if I just reached out to the brands that I knew wanted to be in front of my audience? Now, let me say this. I don't have a marketing background, Yasmin. I didn't know nothing <laughs> about business. Yeah. This is not something that I learned to do. Like, this is the first thing you do. Look for the core demographic or find the target market. Like, right. I, I was researching researching, trying to figure yeah. it out. And then I so said, what okay. Did your, what did your first, you know, pitch to a sponsor look like? And so, you, yeah, <laughs> walk us through that. Yeah. So of course you have no idea like what you're doing in the beginning and you're just trying to, your focus is how can I make money? So you lead with that, which is the worst thing to do. So it's kind of like, you know, hi, this is who I am and this is what I have. And this is the, these are the opportunities that you can buy into. And that was how I pretty much was reaching out to people. Like I have an audience, I have a space and I can offer you this in exchange for your money. And so that's what I did. And that's what a lot of people do. And Uh that is, that is not really a good strategy. (laughs) It's not a good strategy unless you're like a major publication that sends out like a newsletter saying, Hey, advertise with us. And people are like jumping to figure out how they can find, find the money to do it. Um, that doesn't really work. So I actually so what have does a, work? Oh, what does work is a perfect segue because I have a, po- a program that I created um, called the paid pitch. And I created this program to encompass four framework essential pieces. And this is what I use. This is what I ultimately learned worked. And so this is what I now teach people. So the first thing is purpose. And in the paid pitch firm framework, what purpose, what I teach people to do with purpose is if you can identify the purpose of your brand and also understand who your target audience is, you can then build your audience because you know what they're looking for, but you can also help to find the connection with other brands if you understand your purpose. A brand is looking to work with you. If you have an audience of people that they are looking to sell to, they're looking to market to. So I teach my my members, find your purpose and let's figure that out. Who are you, Who is the person that you're talking to? Let's give her a name. Let's give her an age range. What does she do? What does she want? What is she here for? Why does she come to you? And then- what do you do for her? Because a lot of the time I find that people will go into digital content thinking about what it is they like. Oh, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you call yourself a brand and you say that you're doing something for a community of people, it isn't about you. This is not the Janelle B. Stewart show just because I want to talk about these things. I make decisions. I'm intentional about what I communicate with. So then the next step that I learned after I found my purpose, the second part of my paid pitch framework was you need to plan. Everyone is out there thinking, all right, listen, I see her over there with 20,000 followers or 30,000 followers or 100,000 followers. And that's why she's making money because she has a large following. And listen, if you want to maintain being an unpaid content creator, an unpaid blogger, an unpaid YouTuber, then you keep thinking that the reason why people are making money is because they have large followings. And then you'll just say they're being in that same position because, you know, obviously, you know, there is a reason why people are making money. 
And it's not just about having a large following. There are people that get more opportunities because they have a large following, but that is not the end all be all. So planning is really crucial. You have to actually decide if you say you want to stay home and make a business, plan out how you're going to make money. Okay. Like I need all of you guys to think about that. I have to have a plan on how I make money. So when I started planning out, all right, one of the things I could do is this. And so for example, I loved creating content, but I also loved meeting people in person. So what if I created like an event, small one, where I could get people to come together and talk about natural hair? Because I was listening to my community and I was one of the people who had nobody to talk to, which is why I started my business in the beginning anyway. So if everyone's complaining that they're the only person going natural, they don't know anyone else doing it, and they're having all this difficult time like feeling connected to a community, why not create an event where I bring all of these unconnected people together to talk about what they love doing? And that can that. be that can be monetized. Or mm-hmm. if you have a video that you're making and you can insert a product to support that. So for example, my natural hair YouTube videos, people were always complaining about not knowing what products to use. There's so many products out there. What if I was creating videos where I was sharing the product that was helping me create this style or sharing options of products that you can use to fill to fill a void or to solve a problem you have. So planning is essential. And as a content creator, there's so many ways you can plan to make money. But the number one way that I teach my members to do it because it pays the biggest pay- payout and it also is one of the faster ways to accumulate the wealth that we all desire is which is a third step of my framework, which is pitching. So instead of waiting for a brand to find you because maybe you have waited many years to grow your following or maybe you've done something that went viral one day and so people now know you, instead of waiting for that, sis, go and find them. Go and find them. If you are unemployed, do you sit at home waiting for an email to come in about a job opportunity? No. No, you don't. When you're hungry, do you sit there waiting to see who's going to deliver food to your house? No, you don't. You get up. You go and you try to figure it out. So the third part of my program, I teach my members to pitch and I help them understand this is how you research. This is how you find the brands. How do you get the brands to notice you if they're not noticing you now? These are the things you can be doing to help find help brands see you. How do you right. develop the relationship so that you're not doing what I did in the beginning, just sending an email saying, hey, if you give me $50, I'll do this for you. <laughs> but let's develop yeah. the relationship with these companies because at the end of the day, they also want to work with you as well. Brands really do see the value in working with content creators because it's cost effective. If I can pay someone a couple dollars to do this this thing and get me in front of these amount of people, even if it's not a great number, it can be a thousand. I have members in my program that have less than a thousand, less than 2000, and they have landed brand deals because they were able to develop their purpose and in planning, they could pitch the pro- the proper the proper brand. So I teach them to get out there, girl, go and pitch these brands. Let's let's have a pitch plan of what we're going to do, what we want to do, so we can establish the relationship. And then, of course, the last step to the framework is partnership. Once you've done that, how do you give your, give your brand partner the best that you have? How do you keep that relationship going? How do you get them to be so excited about the work you did that they want to work with you again? Or if you're working with an agency and that agency um, hired you to work on behalf of the brand, how do you get that? 
that age and to be so excited about your work that they want to hire you again when they have another client coming on. Well, the way you do that is doing the things you do right now on your nine to five. You don't show up late if you want to keep your job because that's showing them (laughs) that you're not responsible. You're not reliable. So when you're working on something, don't respond to emails late. Don't submit your work late. Also, when you go to work, you have a positive attitude. You have a spirit of being a team player. You're someone that people can come to to get advice because you show up with your game face on. You're intelligent. You support by giving ideas. You do the same thing when you're working with the brand. You do not give the brand the worst possible work you could give. You give them the best. You create content that's the best. If you're writing a blog post, you write the best blog post you've ever written. And how do you do that? You do research on the topic research the brand. If they've given you things like to help you with your with your message, like key messages or thought starters, you take that and you expand upon that. You incorporate your own experiences because the brand is looking to see how your audience is going to connect to what you're saying to then be convinced that, sh- that this is a company they should be considering. So if you want that relationship to grow, you need to be able to do all of that on your own so that the first draft you provide is your best draft. And if they have any notes or any edits, it's so minute that you don't ever, they don't ever feel like they had to do so much work in working with you that you've made this a difficult partnership because this was so challenging on their end. And you always go above and beyond and you under promise, but you over deliver. Bingo. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Something that we would always say back in my own marketing days um, and working with public relations agencies and Everything that you said, Janelle, really echoes true because I've been both on the agency side and the client side actually choosing agencies. And you're absolutely right. Brands are looking for people that they can rely on, that they can consistently expect a certain level of work from. Right. And because it makes their lives easier and they want that connection. And it's so much more work to have to start again over and over Mm -hmm. and over again with a new influencer, with a new spokesperson. So any ways that we can just bring that excellence, bringing our Black excellence to the table and making sure that we deliver on that promise will ensure that we continuously get additional business. And then you're growing your reputation, right? Yeah. I think what you gave were some principles that folks can apply not only to their current nine to five, or if they're thinking about branching out on their own and developing a platform, these are principles that they can apply to both. And to put them in practice, actually, go ahead and put it in practice. If you're not fully bringing it to your nine to five, put that into practice before you start to branch out and try to expand into, you know, brand marketing and leveraging your platform. Yes. I love what you said about starting with purpose and how all of these other um, principles flow from that. So can you talk a little bit about I know there's so much in this space right now. We've got podcasting, we've got YouTubes, we've got social media, Instagram. There's a lot of different places to be. Mm-hmm. Was there were there certain platforms for you that you really felt like helped amplify what you were doing? And yeah. I've heard different things like blogging is dead. Is it dead? Oh like, no. What? Who lied? <laughs> Who lied? <laughs> Who said so, that? <laughs> so talk about that because I think there's just a lot of confusion. It can be overwhelming for someone who's wanting to start out. Yeah. Is where do I start first? And then 
yeah, speak about that. Yeah. So for me to answer the first question, the platform that I think really helped me skyrocket my career was YouTube. And the reason for that was the visual nature of the content that I talked about helped for people who had no idea um, what they were doing to learn how to. So how to's and tutorials were perfect because if you're talking about how to style your hair, if I take pictures, you don't know what are the in-between movements you need to do with your hands, with your head, with the product, how much of it, like you don't know those, those questions are going to go unanswered in a photo because it's a still image of a, you know, a specific moment in time. So the YouTube videos helped me grow really quickly because I was able to capture every step of my process when I would style my hair, when I would take care of my hair. And my audience was able to put me in their kitchen or in their bathroom or in their bedroom, wherever they were doing their hair. They were able to put me up on their mobile phone or their tablet or pull me up on the computer or a laptop and they could watch me do it and do it with me and pause me and pause me and then do the next step and then rewind if they miss something. And that really helped. Also, the fact that I have a educational background, um, I've learned a lot about how to teach people. And I worked in a public school working with special needs. So I do have a specialty in special needs. And diversifying education is an important integral piece of working with children with special needs. Um, And also in general, when you're teaching, you need to make sure that you're reaching your visual learners, your auditory learners, people who work better with their hands and just have different modalities. Like that's an important piece of just teaching in general. So I found the visual side to be very stimulating. And I think a lot of people love that. So that really worked for me. Now on the other side of that, where you have um, people growing YouTube channels, blogs are still popping. Okay. And I also want you to think about the fact that while there are so many blogs out there, Um, Google makes it very clear that when people are looking for content, they're more inclined to share a blog post than something else. And even major corporations have created blog components to their major websites because they know, they know on one end we offer a service and we can get to, we can reach people. They can come here to this website to purchase what they need or get the services they need and hire whatever support they need. And that's great. But they also recognize that if they have a blog component, they can talk to the consumer, their customer in a way that helps them see how to incorporate that product or service into their day-to-day lives in a way that they cannot when they just have a website that people have to come to, to purchase the product or to purchase the service. So Mm -hmm. blogs are helpful in that compartment. Now, anything you research on Google the major top search engine in in the world, anything you research on Google, I guarantee that outside of the ads that are going to be at the top that have paid to be at the top, you're going to be going to a blog, a blog where someone has taken the time to write and explain how to do something, how to better do something, something you need to know, how to empower yourself, how to grow this, how to eat better, like whatever it is, someone out there has a blog. Even to the point now, where even magazines that have created dot-coms, they use the blog format because they know that people really do connect with that blog format. The blog style of writing, you know, there's obviously there's still journalism. People have journalism degrees. 
And people do enjoy reading news outlets that still write like that. But being co- being in a community of people who love learning from each other on the left and on the right and knowing that people are in the same place and that they can get to a better place by reading an article, they enjoy the familiarity of the conversation. And so when you write for a blog, you write very colloquial, like you're able to say things that people can relate to, thing, language that people use. You'll see major news outlets using common words that people are using now, like fleek and dope and all that stuff, because they want to relate to people. So when I'm looking for something on the internet, I will usually obviously be be shown a blog. But in general, when you're creating your content, I don't want you to forget that you don't own Facebook and you don't own YouTube and you yeah. don't own Instagram. So when Instagram, Facebook and WhatsApp was down a couple weeks ago or months ago, um, Everyone was panicking because they couldn't get on and they were like literally going through withdrawal because they couldn't get on. And if you are a business or if you're a digital brand and use use social media as a main way to communicate with your audience, then you too were impacted because you couldn't communicate them, communicate with them in the way that you normally do. But if you have a blog space and you also not only just the blog, but you're taking the time to develop your email list, which is another program that I teach my members. Listen, I know it's important to have these platforms, but don't forget your, the power of an email. If any of those websites decided they could, they were going to go down or the government shut them down or something happened and they just no longer were relevant anymore. If you have an email list and these people are coming to your blog and you're sending them blog posts, you, you own that. Your email list you own, your blog you own, and you can create whatever content you want. You can create it in the way you want it to be as well. If you love imagery, you can create an, a, a blog post that highlights the, the beautiful, beautiful images you make. If you love making video, you can create a blog post that uses your video. You can take your YouTube videos and put them on your blog, and I used to do that all the time. I would put my YouTube videos on my blog and then I would send my blog posts of my YouTube video to my audience from in my newsletter. And if you love writing, then you have a great place in, in blogging as well because you can create the content. But most most importantly, what I love about blogging and why it's so relevant today is that unlike all the social media platforms, I can access the information that you share on your blog in a way that I could never on Instagram. If you posted something like last month, how many people do you think are looking at that post last month on your Instagram? Not very many because we're looking at today. We're looking at the now. And first of all, I might not even see what you post today if Instagram don't show it to me because the Instagram (laughs) algorithm limits that. But if I go to your website and I'm interested in finding out what has Janelle said this week um, that can help me build my brand and you click on the tab that says blogging on JanelleBStewart.com, what do you see? You see all of the stuff on blogging and you read the titles, you choose the one that is most interesting to you. And then of course, there's other things in my website helping direct you to the other stuff I have going on. And then you're like, wow, I really loved her empowerment posts. And every time I read one of Janelle's empowerment posts, they really do help to uplift me. I feel motivated. And I love how she has explained this idea. And now you're reading something else and that's being helpful to you. And so if if you only depend and rely on social media as the way in which you communicate with your audiences, you're missing out heavily. And then for those of you that are content creators that are monetizing your brands, one of the things that I tell my members is having a blog is 
is an area of content that companies would prefer to pay for more so than your social media. Although we like social media, it is definitely a little bit more instantaneous. So it creates the sense of urgency in the moment and you can probably get more exposure to an audience very quickly. But companies love having their content on blogs because it's SEO friendly. And that is search engine optimization, um, which is basically being able to find something that you've created, a content that you've created in the search engine, which is for us, it's mainly Google. Obviously there's others, but Google. So if I write about a company For example, I'm currently in a partnership with BJ's Wholesale. If I write about BJ's Wholesale for several times over the next year and someone is looking up a blog post and BJ's is listed in it and they're looking up BJ's, outside of the advertisements that may come up about BJ's, they'll also see other things that have been written about BJ's. And in the style in which I write and I tell my members to write is lifestyle. Don't create an ad for BJ's create a lifestyle post where you talk about how BJ's is incorporated into your day-to-day. So when someone comes to your website and they're reading that post, they're actually walking away, taking something away from it. So they're not just learning about BJ's and what BJ's has to sell. Like we all know BJ's, we don't need to be sold on BJ's. It's a matter of how do you incorporate the lifestyle of I'm a BJ's consumer and these are the things that I'm looking for in my life. And so BJ's answers this problem for me because I can go there to get it. And so right. now that stuff is on the internet forever. It's no one's going to find the BJ's post on Instagram. That's not coming up. My Facebook post is not coming up. So brands love that because they know that their name is out there in the search engines from whomever they've hired to work with them forever. and promote them. Yeah, yeah, forever. That's good. And I think what I love about that too is that it's really you're creating ownership and you're creating kind of a long lasting you know, hall of influence, if you will, for that particular brand, but also for your brand too, right? Yes. Because you're the umbrella of it. So that's yes. awesome. I have a couple of kind of quick hitting questions for you just okay. for folks to kind of, because these are things that people always want to know, especially when they're first starting out. So if you had any pro tips on Instagram, we mentioned that Instagram, you know, you, sometimes you don't know if you're going to see everyone's posts these days because the algorithm has changed. How do you use Instagram? I love Instagram as an engagement tool. And I want all of you out there who are thinking about how to grow your Instagram to stop focusing on just how you can get followers to you by the images you create, but how you can build community. So... Um, I actually have a course called How to Grow Your Instagram because my school is a collection of everything any digital content creator could possibly need, the answer to those questions that they have. And in that program, I talk about how engagement is key. And this is how I've been able to get my members to go from 200 followers to 1,200 followers in about three to four weeks later. And who wouldn't like to have another 1,000 followers in the next month from now? Like we all would. So what you want to work on is engagement. So instead of just focusing on, I have to post a new picture every single day for 365 days. And then you beat yourself up when you, when you miss one or you're all worked up and stressed out because you don't feel like you have pictures that are good enough quality, or maybe you feel like if I post this, I don't think it will get enough likes. So you're questioning whether you should take a booty pic so that someone will click on it. You know, like people, people literally torment themselves about how can I get the best engagement on a picture? So what am I going to post? So let's, let's, let's not focus on 
all of those things that are not relevant. And let's focus on how we engage with our community that we do have. So what what captions are you creating? Are you so pressed to put up a post that you've not really taken the time to focus on what you actually say in your post? You know, in recent times, Yasmin, I'm sure you've probably heard that they were saying Instagram is thinking about taking away the likes and also yeah. um, the, uh, I think, likes and comment number or something like that, or just maybe likes. And you know, the whole, the whole idea is if we take that away, people will just engage with the post. Well, if they took that away, would people engage with your posts? I'm not saying they should do Mm. it, but if you're already not making posts that are really engaging, then you're going to suffer if that does happen. But in general, if you're not making posts that are really engaging, then in, then people won't engage with it. They won't like it. They won't comment. And of course, that will affect how you're viewed in the, in the algorithm. So another yeah. key thing you can do for engagement, aside from just writing really good captions, is go out there in the hashtag communities and engage with people in the hashtag. So this is a tip that I, like one of the top tips in my course, and I'm going to share it with your, with your listeners right Ooh. now. You can go and do what I like to call hashtag stalking. So find okay. a hashtag that is relevant to your community and is not spammed by brands, you know, just trying to reach people, but is actually filled with people, community, regular, everyday, today people. And it should be something relevant that if someone were to, if you were to comment on a post there and they were going to see, like they were going to notice you and say, oh, who's that person? And they're like, oh, I want to go see what she's talking about. That if they came to your page, the hashtag is so relevant that they would also want to be on your page. So don't just pick like, like for like or something, follow for follow or happy Thursday. Right. Because that doesn't work. So for me, let's say I'm looking at black women entrepreneurs, you know, that would be really, that would really focus on, um, on how I'm looking to find somebody or rich black woman, I'm going to be finding the right kind of person. So she's going to see me engaging on her post because I'm going through the hashtag. I'm liking and I'm leaving comments that are relevant, not just like, oh, nice pose. Oh, this is so cute. Oh, wow. Like I'm not leaving. Have a purpose. Right. Have a purpose. purpose. Exactly. Thank you for segueing. (laughs) Purpose. (laughs) Have a purpose. Focus on what you're saying and pick pictures of people that relate to you. So I'm looking for pictures of not just rich black women, but if I see her with her family, I know if she comes to my page, she's going to feel a connection to me because we're also moms. If I go to um, a post that's, you know, focused on, let's say fitness and wellness, maybe on my Janelle B. Stewart page, if she came over and I saw, and and on her page, she has like all healthy foods and workouts, she might not necessarily want to connect with me there because I don't have that on my Janelle B. Stewart page. I do have another page called Healthy Janelle where it's all fitness and food and wellness inspired. But I'm just, I'm saying that to explain like, pick the right people so that when they, when you look at their page, you're like, okay, me and her could be friends. And when she comes to yours, she's thinking, oh, me and her could be friends. And then they want to also follow and like and engage with you. And if you did that enough, you'd see your following growing. Yeah, great advice. And I love that it's really about finding your tribe Right. there in the universe and then developing that connection with people who are of kind of the same spirit and mind uh, who would be encouraged too by what you just said, you know, encouraged to see another black woman entrepreneur living her life, right. successful, owning the world. And I love that. Talk a little bit about maybe something that you wish you had done sooner. You know, was there kind of something where you're like, oh, I wish I had done that sooner and that you had to kind of stumble upon and figure out on your own. 
Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of things I can probably think of that I wish I had done sooner. Um, I wish when I had my YouTube channel that I had monetized it sooner, that would have mm-hmm. helped. You know, people usually like, I think a lot of people who are listening today are going to say, yeah, I've just been waiting. I've just been waiting. I've been making so many videos and I've just been waiting to see who's going to reach out to me. So I wish I had monetized that sooner. And you know, if that's you and you're like, I, you're right, Janelle, I should be monetizing my space. I would definitely encourage you to consider becoming a member in my paid pitch program because I am teaching people how to monetize sooner. And I'm talking about sooner, like a couple hundred followers. I'm not talking like they have like thousands, a couple hundred and and they're monetizing. Um, I think secondly, I wish I would have um, branched out into the lifestyle space a little bit sooner. Uh, I say that because I was in the natural hair community for a very long time, really into it, making lots of fresh content, going to events, speaking engagements. But because there's so much more that I am a part of, I never really, um, I didn't realize until I finally branched out about four years ago into lifestyle that because I'm so multifaceted and multidimensional, I could have been speaking to an, bigger audiences in other areas. So that was something that I said, you know, I wish I had done that sooner. I didn't wait to create to create this lane for myself. Um, but that would definitely right. be like the top two that I would say. Okay, excellent. And in terms of your social apps that you use now. Yeah. And also just kind of the back end of your business. Mm -hmm. What are you using? Like platforms that you're using, website, uh, you know, software that you're using. What are some of the ones that you found? Like, I really love Instagram. I use Shopify. I use Sam's cart. What are those for you? So for my Instagram, because I spend a lot more time on Instagram creating content and engaging community, what I like to use is a program called Unum. It's spelled U-N as in Nancy, U-M as in Mary. So I call it Unum, but it could be Unum. I don't know, but I call it Unum. Anyway, Unum is is an app that allows for you to schedule, plan, and curate your content. And so in my... um, in my courses, I talk about using Unum because I can lay out my Instagram feed before I've had uploaded any photos. I can see what it's going to look like, but it's also a great placeholder. So if you have beautiful images that you've shared, usually what will happen is we'll say, okay, I'll share that another day. It sticks in our phone and our photo album and then other images accumulate on top of it and we never really go back. So what I've been able to do with Unum is immediately I've just gotten in the habit of putting images that I know I want to share later on right into it and then I can organize them, lay them out. I can create my captions. If I see something that inspires me, I can make a caption and put it in Unum and then I can um, schedule them to share at a later time. So I really love the Unum program. Um, Also for my Instagram, I want to recommend this program called Linktree. Linktree. So in my program, um, How to Grow Your Instagram Followers, I tell my members to please create a link tree. It's the only link you need in your bio. And I'm so happy that Linktree has created this opportunity for us. You know, a lot of the times we'll create a blog post. We'll put up a, a post on Instagram on our page saying, hey, new blog post. We'll make a YouTube video. Hey, you new YouTube video. I just launched my new podcast episode. Hey, new podcast episode. And what do we yeah. usually te- what do we usually tell them to go to get the link? link in bio. Well, every time we have to update that link, the link in bio in those older posts is now no longer relevant because it's not linking to that content anymore. And what Linktree does is it lets you, it provides you with one link that you put in your Linktree. And then when people click on that, click on that link, you're able to update 
the website to show the links you want. So if you've shared various pieces of content over the last week, they can all be visible. Not only that, but you can put other things that are kind of stationary in there like blog, and then people can read your blog anytime, not just linking directly to a new post, but just in general, your blog or YouTube or podcast or whatever else you have. If you have an ebook, if you have a course that you sell, you can have links there as well just to... um help direct your audience, but you can also share things that you want your audience to know about. So if they did click your link tree and you're like, hey, you know, I was on a podcast episode for rich black women. Hey, right. You can put that link in your link tree and your audience can easily go and find that as well. Um, You know, or anything. If you were talking about a new um, shoes that you just purchased for the summer and you're like, I just got these shoes from Macy's. They're hot. And people are going to (laughs) start asking you, where'd you get them? Where'd you get them? You could just put the link in your link tree and then you can be a resource to your audience, which is what you're supposed to do anyway as a content creator. So it's just better to have a link tree. So I love Unum and I love Inktree when it comes to Instagram. I would say for scheduling my social posts in general, I also would recommend um, Hootsuite. Yeah, I like Hootsuite. Yeah. There's others, but I like Hootsuite just because of the functionality of it. And for free, they give you so many options. So if you're like, Hootsuite, what's that? You can obviously go to Hootsuite.com and you can look it up. But just shortly, it's a dashboard. So instead of having to open up Twitter to tweet and then open up Facebook to Facebook and then open up Pinterest to pin and all these other places, Instagram, you can just put everything in your Hootsuite, set up all your accounts and then look at everything in one dashboard, making it really convenient. The app is also very convenient. So I'll schedule my morning tweets and my afternoon tweets. I'll schedule what I want to um, share on Facebook. So that way I can repurpose my content. So, you know, the things that you all are making, usually you share it once and then it just disappears. And then you never really talk about it again. You know, I encourage my members to use the power of scheduling and the schedulers on Hootsuite to make your content relevant anytime. So you can share the same blog post again once a month or every other week as it's fresh. You can probably share it more consistent that week. And then later on, you share it less less frequently, but your blog posts don't have to die just because the date has passed a couple months ago. Keep bringing them back, especially if they're evergreen and they're relevant. So I love those dashboards for scheduling on Hootsuite. Um, for my team, because I do have a team of amazing Black women We use a program called Monday. Um, Monday is a online task management system. And it basically allows for me and my team, because we're all remote, my course coordinator for the Digital Content Creation School, she's in San Francisco. My um, student relations coordinator for the Digital Content Creation School is in Tampa. My direct admin, she's in North Carolina. My video editor is in another part of New York. So, you know, my members are all over. So what we do with a Monday program is we just insert the tasks. So if I text someone and say, hey, I need you to do this for me, they can put that in Monday or I can go in Monday myself and I can create the task board. We also use it to help our flow. So let's say, Uh for example, you know you're working on a blog post and I teach my members that before you do your blog post, spend one minute, just time yourself 60 seconds and I want you to just brainstorm the blog post you wanna write this month. 
So now you've written you've written out those ideas. You can put that in Monday and to help manage yourself. And you put the four titles of the of the blog post, and then you know that there's other steps of things you need to create when you write your blog post. So now I know I'm writing this blog post, but what else do I need to do? So set a timer, yeah. two to three minutes, and I want you to create your outline. You'll put you you'll put outline in Monday, and when you're done with the outline, you'll check it off that you are done with it. You'll then have to obviously write the post. You have to edit it. We have to do SEO things to help make sure it's search engine optimized. And then you may need to create your graphics, things like that. You put all of those individual tasks into Monday. And as you go through them, you just check them off. So you can also use it for yourself. But I love Monday. There's other programs like that as well. Monday's not the only one. Yeah. Um, well, I love that because yeah, um, that's something I, I'm thinking about. I want to use just for my personal life. I'm like, I need Monday for my family. Oh, well, when you're ready, let me know so I can send you my affiliate link. Okay. Okay. Look at that. Monetizing right here on the podcast, people. I yes. <laughs> awesome. So finally, as we wrap up, how do you self-care as a Black woman entrepreneur? Oh, Because self-care perfect. is so important, especially for entrepreneurs and especially for Black women, because we are not always uh, the people that take care of themselves the best because we're taking care of so many others in our communities. And we're really all about here inside and out. So not just being rich on the outside, but also being rich on the inside. What do you do to maintain that personal richness? Yeah. So self-care is really important to me. And I'm a mom of two, my son's seven, my daughter's five, and I am selfish about my self-care. I love being selfish (laughs) about it because I am like, I'm going to take care of me. And there's nothing that anyone can do about that because I've learned that taking care of me makes me better for the people around me. And so I say the number one thing that I do for self-care is I actually go to therapy. Um, I've been going to therapy for over a year and I initially started going weekly and now I'm down to about bi-weekly, sometimes once a month if I'm really busy. Um, but I go to therapy. I was, I was at a point in my life where I was struggling really, um, a lot with, parenting, I found the morning routine to be the worst part of my day. And, you know, getting my son ready for school, it was, it was a stressful uh, relationship that he and I were developing because in order to get him ready, I was yelling and screaming and we were fighting and it was just a mess. And of course that's the start of the day. So it set the tone for the rest of my day because I was overwhelmed, had anxiety and was Mm -hmm. just overall stressed. So therapy has helped me learn how to be a better mom because I knew I wasn't the mom that I wanted to be, the yelling, the screaming. I was like, listen, I wanted to be a loving mom. I wanted to be a kind mom. I wanted to be a patient mom. And I'm none of those things acting like this every day. Like this is not what I want to be. And yeah. I knew I couldn't change my son because he's his own unique being and God didn't bring him in this world for me to make him to make him my yeah. little minion. And so yeah. I found support in going to therapy to just learn how to better cope with my own um, anxiety and anger and stress. So that's the number one thing. And then I do also do some of the um, taboo self-care, th- self-care things like getting my nails done every two weeks. I go for myself. Um... I also get waxes done every month. I make sure that I do that. And um, I get my hair done. I have sister locks. So my sister lock consultant will come to my house so she can retighten my locks every four to eight weeks. So I make sure I do those things just to keep, just to take care of myself, um, you know, more aesthetically. And then I would also say I work out and I try to eat the best. So for me, 
when I work out, I find that I have more energy. You know, you hear people say this all the time. And sometimes if you are someone who doesn't work out, you kind of find it difficult to understand that. Like, how do I get more energy by going out and exerting energy? I don't want to work right. out, <laughs> but it really does. You know, the hormones in your body and your just your natural energy, the way that your body works after you've worked out, you know, your cardio, your, your, your sweating, your body just feels good. Your muscles start to get stronger and you naturally feel less tired. So I love cycling. I get on this, my, my spin bike. I have a Peloton. Oh, nice. So I love going, I love working out on my Peloton. I also have a gym membership. So I go to a spinning class with a spinning instructor that is amazing. She puts yeah. on hip hop, rap, Calypso, Caribbean music, reggae, and we just have a blast. Um, and I also work out with a trainer. So, you know, for you rich black women out there, I know that you can be, you can be at home doing everything, trying to grow your business, trying to make sure that you stay rich and with it, within the monetary side of being rich, the other part of you is focused, is, is suffering. You know, your yeah. mental health is suffering. Your health, physical health is suffering. So like you said, you know, being rich in all areas is important. So I take care of me physically and I want to be healthy. I want to make sure that I am a healthy weight, that I don't have to get on medications. I don't want to have to, um, rely on anything to help keep my body aligned and, and, and make sure that my pressure is good and make sure that my blood sugar is controlled. Cause I can't do that on my own because of the poor decisions I've made with what I eat. So I focus on a plant-based diet. My children are also on a plant-based diet. My husband is on a plant-based diet because I don't want us to have to get healthy. I just want us to be healthy. Um, and so outside of that, I would say, the other things that I enjoy doing is reading. Um, I can't say that I've actually been able to open up a book and, and flip the pages, but Audible is good for the soul, okay? Yeah. You know, I love listening to audiobooks. Um, I love podcasts such as Rich Black Women and many others that I've listened to as well that keep me motivated and inspired. So I do that as a, as a way to um, keep me encouraged inside. And learning new things on a daily basis is keeping my, keeping my brain young. My brain is always working. I'm always processing things so that I can do better for my members of my school as well as my family, my children, and the people who I have to connect with on a day-to-day basis, they can grow because I'm learning something new. Absolutely. Well, our health is our greatest wealth. And so if you don't have your health, you have no wealth because you can't do anything. Um, So I love that you're taking good care of yourself. And I especially love the fact that you were transparent and open and talked about mental health because For some reason, that still is a little bit taboo. I think it's changing, though, with uh, the newer generation and younger generation. And that's really exciting to see. But I am a big advocate for mental health. And I agree. Everyone, I feel like it should be you taking a shower and like you exercising. You just need to do it. Yeah, it should be a part of your lifestyle. It's not. It's just like getting a physical. But if you think about all the things that we deal with in the world, and especially as black women, you need uh, a place where you can exhale and also get in tune with, again, what's your purpose here? And therapy is such a great place to do that and to find out why you do things the way you do them and how you can live up to your full purpose that yes. you're here for. So thank you so much for this insightful, all this insightful advice. I feel like people got a lot of great glimpses into what they can expect within your school and your um, classes. And so where can people um, learn more and enroll and check out how to do that? 
Well, you can find out more information um, about my school um, right on my website. You can go to JanelleBStewart.com and you'll see a link for courses. And then if you're interested in following me on social media, I'm everywhere at JanelleBStewart. And you can get the spelling by checking out how it's spelled on this podcast episode. Awesome. Thank you for that. And don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Rich Black Woman and at Rich Black Women on Facebook. Share this podcast with your Flossy Posse, your family, your coworkers. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn and SoundCloud. And don't forget to leave a review. We so appreciate your words of encouragement. And with that, thank you. 